Welcome to the Big Fellas Podcast, where we chop it up about all things past, present, and future about the game of basketball. Where facts, stats, and context reign supreme. That is blasphemous. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. Always keep it real. Get ready to learn from players, coaches, and fans from all levels of the game and see the court in a brand new way. And now, fresh off the sidelines, here's your host, John Hartofillis. What it do, fellas, and welcome to the Big Fellas Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, JH, coming to you from New York City, the mecca of basketball. Today, I'm super excited to have on Coleman Ayers. I've been watching Coleman's content almost since he started the By Any Means Basketball YouTube channel in 2016, which has since reached over a quarter million subscribers to date. By Any Means Basketball is a Washington, D.C. area-based basketball training organization with the mission to build a unique basketball culture revolving around athletic performance, innovation, and the subtleties that exist within the game. Coleman is an expert when it comes to biomechanics and hosts his Attention to Detail series on YouTube where he breaks down the complex games of players from all across the association. You don't want to miss out on the absolute gold that Coleman shared with me during our conversation about the nuances that separate good players from the greats. Here's some basketball training secrets from Coleman Ayers. Appreciate you for having me, man. Always good to hop on and talk some hoops. I can't wait. This is going to be a great conversation. Uh, so just to start, uh, if you could just walk our listeners through your kind of your journey, the process you went through in, in starting by any means when you were just 17 and the steps you've taken since then to grow it into uh, what it is today. Yeah, so um, like you said, I started off when I was in high school. It was, it was kind of a, an evolution from somewhat of a hobby for me. So I always tell the story of like, I was in the car going to an AAU tournament and I've been watching film for myself just because, you know, I, I enjoy the game. I was five, at the time like a five nine white kid trying to make it, you know, college basketball in one of the top conferences in the country um, for high school basketball. So, you know, it took a lot, took a lot of dedication and time. Um, and then also going, you know, above and beyond with studying film and, and researching and, pretty much figuring out every way that I could improve myself. Um, so going back to that story, I was in the car going to like an AU tournament, I believe before my junior or senior year, I can never really remember, but um, I was, I just got a new computer and I had iMovie on it. And I was pretty much just breaking down some Steph Curry film, um, favorite player back in, in you know high school. And still to this day, probably one of the biggest influences on my game. Um, so just breaking down his step back and then kind of like writing little like words over it, whatever, pointing out certain things. And I put it up on YouTube just to have it all in one place because I made a couple more after that. And I actually started to get some traction, um, just like the the whole attention to detail thing. I called it attention to detail at the time. Um, and then it, it started growing from there. And it was almost accidental in a sense. Um, and, you know, from there, like I said, I was just an extremely dedicated to getting to that next level of basketball which was obviously the college game so every morning I'll be in, in the gym um, not only training myself but my teammates so that's where the where the training kind of originated and um, getting experience from a young age and after my senior season I had some opportunities d2 d3 to play at that next level you know what I've been working for for the past three four years and I chose to, to take the other route, the road less traveled, and focus more on educating myself, getting more experience training, and really diving into and immersing myself into the training and coaching and 
um, learning rather than obviously, you know, playing basketball at a D2 or D3 school would have been fantastic experience, but same time probably wouldn't have been able to spend as much time really, really diving into the coaching and teaching side of it. So that's kind of where it took off um, from there. Um, and right now I'm at the University of Miami finishing up my bachelor's degree, planning to get a master's in, the, in one year. So this, this next coming year after this one. Um, and then just, just the goal from here is just to continue to grow that reach, you know, cast a wider net. And, uh, and expand, continue to expand, not only in, in the D.C. and Miami areas where I'm primarily located, but also on a worldwide scale through social media, YouTube, all that type of stuff. So it's been a, been a fun experience so far. No, definitely. It sounds like a lot of fun. And it's interesting because I can relate to that a lot because my listeners might not know this, but uh, Coleman's actually a year older than me. Uh, you're obviously, you're 21, right? And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. 20. Um, when I graduated high school, I was, I was juggling whether or not to play in college or uh, go back to coaching my old high school at, at uh, Xavier High School in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that decision of, do, okay, do I want to go play basketball at a D3, D2 school, or can I really learn the game? And then the opportunities after that, um, yeah. when, you really go, when you really go all into that, are, are kind of endless. So that's yeah, super interesting. Sure. And when you just said about attention to detail, like that, that's really how I found your content in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I was I'm going into my senior year of high school and I was just, I mean, Hakeem's one of my favorite players of all time. So I, I would go and go to like the third, fourth page of Google just to find videos of him. Yeah. And what that was, he was one of your, not, not, not your first ones, like with Steph and stuff, but he was, he was in there one of one of the early videos. Yeah. You really did a good job of let's freeze away pivots. And this is the decision he's making is the guy on his left shoulder, his right shoulder. And that's, that's the read he's making. And that right. detail is really what kind of made your content stand out. And it's funny because that whole attention to detail thing was a year before Kobe started his yeah. Uh, detail. Yeah. <laughs> And you also do a lot of good work on the defensive end. Like the, the tip that really stood out to me was keeping a forward stance mm-hmm. and how that adds extra length to when you're playing defense. And I, I picked that up and people were thinking to themselves, like, okay, how is John? Cause I'm, I was more of a big, he's, he's switching onto guards. And like from one day to the next, he's getting all these steals. Like, how is that possible? And I'm just like, well, I watch this video online. I, I realized, you know what, if I lean in a little bit more, I have a long wingspan. I could really poke uh, the ball better. So yeah. it's funny, like how those little tips could really just transform your game when, when you really take the time to think about them like that. So that was yeah. really cool. Definitely a lot um, of detail involved. Moving on, I just really want to hear about the stuff that you're looking at for the future with by any means, whether it's uh, the run that you've started doing. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> speaking of that, basically the background of that was um, one summer, I think it was summer going into my sophomore year of college, so 19 at the time. Um, we were just me and a couple of my my boys were just like every day trying to hoop typical during the summer while I was back um apart from training like I was I, I couldn't find ways to get into a gym and hoop like the it, it's crazy because DC area is like, like probably I would argue is the best area for basketball at least at the high school level in the country um and we could never really find any any places to hoop so started off kind of an idea is like do we want to start like a league? Do we want to start off, you know, like a, a, a showcase and whatever, you know, it, we had a ton of ideas, but um, eventually I just kind of came up with this idea of having what we eventually called the, the run DC. So it's essentially just a pickup style tournament. So you bring your five players, six players, whatever, but you have a team, you come in with them, sign up, we give you Jersey shirt type thing. Um, got a DJ, you know, if, if you don't have a, a team, we can put you on a team, but basically a bring your five type type style. So like a pickup style, we don't have refs. Um, every, you know, everyone's calling their own foul, but it's also an organized style. So it's an organized pickup game style, which is really cool. I, I haven't really seen it 
none anywhere else, which is why I was really excited to get that off the ground. We've had it three times. Um, had it twice last year, unfortunately, this year. People have been begging me to do it this year, but it's, just, it's, it's not the best time for it. So hopefully maybe in the winter or, or you know, early next spring, whenever all this stuff clears up or the vaccine comes out, who knows what the hell is going to happen. But um, that's, that's, you know, definitely something I want to expand with more, potentially going city to city. Um, and then other expansions, just like camps and other sides of the country, even the world, like a couple things were set up for this summer. That, that obviously fell through because of the, the pandemic, but really just expanding out and then also expanding with the players that I, I'm, I'm really locked in with because I kind of pride myself on having like a, a few players, not a few, but a certain number of players I really like holistically bring everything to the table with them, performance training, you know, every day on the court, really keying on the little details. So, um, and then probably the biggest goal in, in at least in the next five years or so, is opening up a facility, whether it's in Miami, D.C., really wherever wherever I have that opportunity to do that. So that's that's kind of the, the ultimate goal for the next couple of years. Well, that's awesome. And, and uh, the next thing I'm going to ask you about is I don't want to upset Mike. I'm, I'm from New York City. Uh, I, almost everyone, that most of the people that, that listen to this podcast in its early stages are from New York City. I don't want to upset them yeah. too much. Your thoughts on D.C. kind of transforming into that. In, into, I'm, I don't want to say it. Because I don't want everyone to hate yeah. it, but the, the mecca of basketball. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think if you if you look at the pro level, it's you know you could say L.A., Chicago, um, and I probably wouldn't argue with you. But if we're talking about grassroots at the high school level, and you look at the WCAC, which is the best conference in the area, if you look at even like the D.C. Public School League, which is historically at least the past twenty years hasn't been that great there are D1 players on every team and on the top probably six, seven teams in the area, the entire starting five is going D1. So I just don't know any other areas that, you know, have that, that level of competition at the high school level. We don't get as much recognition for it, probably because the style of play there isn't as flashy. It's a little bit more fundamental, technical, which is probably why a lot of these players end up playing at such a high level in college. But um, I would say despite the, the kind of lack of media attention, I mean, it, it's definitely getting up there now, but the talent is just, it's, it's unreal. And if you go to any game, you're going to see a guy who's either probably a future pro, if not, you know, a future standout at the, at the college level. So it's insane talent. Like any gym you step in, it's going to be, it's going to be up there. So it's, it's really fun to watch. And it's definitely evolving, you know, every year. No, definitely. And uh, before we get into kind of the, uh, talk about uh, biomechanics and, and, that, and that sort of thing, I, I kind of want to go back to the whole uh, thing about you coaching at a young age. I just want to ask you kind of what some of the hardships were in you doing that and kind of like what you'd hear from people saying like, okay, this guy's too young, he can't do it. Because I kind of had a similar thing um, coaching at, at the high school level when um, I, I, was, I was 18 and half the varsity mm-hmm. team were guys that were my teammates. They were all, yeah. uh, I, was, I was coaching the freshman team, but you know, they'd, they'd be practicing right before us. I mean, obviously, it was, I, had, I had a lot of fun doing it, but there was still everyone would, you know, people would always be like, oh, John's not ready. Um, he's, yeah. he's too young. He's too inexperienced. He's going to be goofing around. And I obviously had to, you know, work hard to kind of, I mean, I'm still kind of dealing with that now, but to kind of change the narrative on that. And I just kind of wanted to hear what you thought about uh, your experiences with that. Yeah, man. I mean, first, just I just want to say that's dope. And I commend you for, for doing that at such a, a young age because most people get into it probably a little bit too late. And the fact that you're really just immersing yourself into that, that's awesome, man. 
Um, I, I mean, I've definitely had some of those same hardships. Um, you know, like even since 16, 17, I've been training just teammates and stuff. Um, but I found that like most times, especially younger coaches will maybe push that kind of that feeling of being like a coach figure rather than just um, trying to think of the best word for it. Just like a, a it's, it's hard to explain, but really more of a friendship in a way that's like, I'm still teaching you the game, but it's more of a friendship, like more of an even level. So the thing with me is I'm 21. A lot of the guys I, I train are, you know, if they are 16, 15, then I do have some seniority on them. So it's a, it's a little bit easier um, to kind of take them and like be a little bit more coach-ish with them. But, you know, if I'm training a college guy or a pro guy, I think the main thing is just to see them as more of a, like a colleague in a sense, like just like as a homie and then, but you, you are still teaching them the game. So um, that's one thing for me. Another thing for me is that I'm, I still realize that I'm learning every day. I have a shit ton to learn. Um, and I think for any young coach, that's huge just because you get an ego when you're, when you're young, it's going to be one tough. It's going to get in the way of your learning experience and, and you're not going to absorb everything that you need to be learning from that experience. Um, and two, it's, it's going to create some bad blood with, with older guys, regardless of, you know, whether it's just justified or not. But um, the main thing for me is just, I've, I've had to humble myself some because obviously I've done a shit ton of research and, um, I, I have a good amount of experience, but at the same time, I'm still young. So I got to humble myself and realize that most of my learning is, is still ahead of me. Um, but it, it's, it's also just been fun to kind of experiment with different relationships with players, like um, how to treat certain players, how to coach them up, the tones that you have with certain players. And, you know, it's, and then also just reminding myself every day, like, you know, I'm, I'm still 21 years old, so I got a long way to go and it's, it's going to be fun. However many years in front of me teaching the game. So it's been a little bit of good and bad, but overall very good experience. No, definitely. That's, that's a great way to put it. And I've been trying to find that word for like two, three years now. So when you yeah. do find that word, please text. I, I want to know what that word is because <laughs> I don't think it exists. Uh, we might have to, we, the two of us might have to call Webster's and, and create that word. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it doesn't. And I'm always sitting there trying to explain like, oh, you know, I, I have such, because I mean, I think the, our biggest strength probably is being young coaches is just the relationship we can have with, 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 uh, Bingo, with players, yeah. just something that, that no one else can replicate. Not only are you coaching, which is a full-time job, but you're also balancing that with your schoolwork. And people ask me all the time, John, how are you able to go to class, six classes over or the course of a semester, your class ends at four, you're jumping on the train, you're at Xavier by 4.30 for practice. How are you able to balance all that? And my easy answer is that it's just because I'm passionate about it that I'll find the time, I'll find the way to do it. But I'm just kind of curious to see like how you kind of think about uh, the sacrifice you make in both to be able to do both. I think it definitely is passion on, on you know, the most surface level. That's like obviously the, the, the easy and probably best answer. But one, I think building really valuable relationships with the, the players you're coaching is huge. So every player that I train, that I coach, I, I try to go to that deeper level of a little bit more than on the basketball court, you know, whether I'm, I'm picking them up for a workout um, or, you know, taking them to get something to eat after, whatever. It's like building those relationships really makes you want, want to go to war for these, for these kids or these, even if they're the same age as us. Um, the, the relationship is, is also a huge motivator. Um, another thing I would say is just 
I like to keep it interesting by continuing to learn and then applying that, that knowledge. So if, if I'm not learning and every single workout is the same, it's going to get stale at some point. So, um, you know, reading a book or, or doing some research or reading, you know, a, a journal, a journal, journal article, um, and then applying it the next day and kind of experimenting and testing it out, whether it's on yourself or, or, you know, group workout, individual workout, whatever that that's what makes it fun for me is just, um, experimenting with new stuff. Like I said, understanding that I have a lot to learn and then turning that kind of into a, an encouraging process, not seeing it as, as a burden, but more so is, you know, having fun with, with continuing to learn day in and day out. Yeah, definitely. Being a lifelong learner is definitely such an important lesson for people. And it's something like, oh, you know, you just regurgitate the same drills over and over again. And it's the same thing. No, like we're, we're constantly learning, trying to better ourselves. And that, that, that's almost, that's half the battle almost is, is, is off the court. You're, you're learning, you're reading new articles. You're, you're thinking, how can I, you know, help my kids more? How can I help my players more yep. and be the best coach I could be to get them to be the best players they could be. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Sure. Uh, I just wanted to kind of ask you about this. I, the idea you always talk about with when it comes to basketball specific athleticism. So most people wouldn't consider Steph Curry or Luka Doncic to be incredible athletes, the way you would think of Giannis to be. Or, yeah. or someone to that effect. So, but you always talk about how they are athletic because their skill level is to such a degree that it's able to kind of supersede that and make them uh, athletic, even though it might not see like look at that to the naked eye. If you want to right. just talk about that more. Yeah. So, if you, I mean, if anyone's familiar with computers, you have like the hardware and the software. Um, if you look at LeBron, you know, um, Dwight Howard, you know, the, the real physical specimens, their hardware is just, you know, out of this world, obviously, like um, the pure, even down like the cross-sectional area of their muscles, just like they're big, fast twitch athletes. Um, but many times, especially at lower levels, that software, quote unquote, won't be there. Um, and that's what makes guys like Luca and Steph and even Trey Young to an extent, like that's what makes them really good athletes. Um, and obviously there, there are a ton of examples I can name on. Those are just like the three that, that are, you know, on the forefront of the, the NBA right now, really. But um, so it's, it's down to like a, a skill level and like a neurological level, I would say. So um, obviously they're, they're good enough on the hardware side to play in the NBA. You need that as a prerequisite. Like our, Steph can windmill, Luka Doncic can dunk on someone, but it's not something you see them doing every day is putting someone on a poster. The main thing that they will do is they're able to change speeds effectively. Um, they're able to relax and contract their muscles effectively, which is actually more of a neurological thing. They're able to, obviously, I mean, I can go way deeper into this, but if we talk about coordination and, and balance and doing all of this while handling the ball or, or shooting the ball or finding teammates at such a high level requires an insane amount of just, neuro like neural capacity just it's and it's something that everyone talks about how skill can be built up and it definitely can't i mean not it's it's you know obviously it can but um i would say being an athlete of this nature um you know steph luca and getting to that nature is just as rare as a guy like russell westbrook you know like and that's that's kind of the, the thing that people are realizing these days is that it can be you don't have to be the most athletic player on the court to be the most effective player or to be 
the most basketball specific athletic player on the court. So it's definitely kind of a, a, a pretty big distinction between just pure raw athleticism and basketball specific athleticism. Um, and it's, it's really what many times decides success on the court. Definitely. And kind of just off that, everyone says that high school players are evolving and you see it every single year. Guys are doing highlights um, in high school games that we traditionally just see, only see in the NBA. Uh, there, there are guys in high school that uh, have, are doing Vince Carter's 2000 dunk contest dunks in yeah. games. And then they're also hitting threes and they're handling the ball and they play defense. So yeah. what do you think is going to happen down the line 10, 15, 20 years from now when guys are coming out and they have that freakish athleticism and they have the skills to back it up? What do you think that's going to just uh, kind of what it's going to bring the game? Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of, Pointed, pointed out that the skill and the athleticism are kind of merging because, um, you know, even five, 10 years ago, but especially kind of back in the day, quote unquote, obviously I'm 21, so I can't speak too much about the, the 80s and everything. But what you would see is that there, there are athletes and then there are skilled guys. So you have your Mark Price or you have your Steve Nash, and then you have your, um, you know, freak athletes. And that's even more so magnified at the high school level even today like you have your really good athletes if you think of any high school team and then you have your really skilled players who aren't as good athletes now you're seeing those those athletes are getting the same level of skill so and that's continuing to happen more and more as you see guys like you know when Derrick Rose came into the league no one had ever been that athletic and skilled and the history of the game, basketball. And I think that's happening even more and more, like at the grassroots level, even um, like you mentioned in high school, those those guys that would typically be just athletes, like they would just walk in a gym class and throw down a windmill. One, they're getting better training. So, you know, strength and conditioning coaches um, and even, even basketball coaches are becoming more associated with how to make an athlete better. And two, they have better skills coaches, more guys are playing basketball, more guys are watching players like Steph Curry. So they're more inspired to be that type of player and add in those skills to, these, to their game rather than just being satisfied with being an athlete. So when that skill and that athleticism, the two kind of, what used to be ends of the spectrum now become one big thing, then that's, it's just, I think it's just gonna continue going in that direction and then who knows? Everyone in the NBA may be Paul George in 30 years where it's just like a complete mix of skill and athleticism. It's definitely scary to think about, but also super excited to think about just how, yeah. <laughs> how much better the game's going to get. And, and we're so young, we're going to really get to experience a lot of it just over the next 20, 30, 40 years and, and even past that. The game's going to yeah. keep on evolving, keep on evolving. And I, I really can't wait to just be along for that ride. Uh, yeah. but since you since you brought up Derrick Rose, I just kind of uh, I know a big thing about you is landing mechanics, and that's also a huge issue with Derrick Rose and guys like that. So I, if you could just give us a little bit of background on kind of your thoughts on landing mechanics, but also kind of who players today, because uh, a lot of my freshmen will be watching this, should emulate, and also who should they just kind of stay away from and say, you know what, this is what that person could be doing better. Because when you see both sides, you can kind of in your head be like, okay, this is what I should be doing, this is what I shouldn't be doing, and that's kind of how you get the best result possible. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So. First thing, I'll kind of preface this by saying, like, basketball is a game of imperfection. So at every level from if you lose the ball, sometimes those are the best times to score because you lose the ball, everyone's scrambling around. Next thing you know, you find your way to the bucket. Same thing goes for landing and coming down. Everything that goes up must come down. So 
everything that comes down isn't going to be coming down in the perfect way with contact and rotation and your eyes are elsewhere and you're tired like everything is not going to be perfect on the court so we have to train for that accordingly and i would say one re one way to like not every player will be the most gifted in terms of um how biomechanically sound they are in terms of how they're landing moving there are definitely ways to train that um but we have to and like apart from grooving these patterns so practicing landing um in a controlled environment um there's also the main thing that i would say is just becoming a more robust athlete um so that we're able to prepare and kind of work through these imperfections in the game so you see guys like Derek Rose um probably never had much of a, a great strength you know he was never really on a great performance plan injury prevention injury reduction I would say plan um just like a, something consistent and he didn't have the best biomechanics you know like a lot of times I'll mention this his heel would hit the ground um as he was landing, which would just take out pretty much every shock absorber that you can think of um, in terms of the Achilles and everything up the chain. Um, he would land a ton of times where his knee would just go unbelievably far in front of his toe, um, which again, isn't a bad thing. If your knee is landing in front of your toe, um, when you come down from a layup, it's not just something that you look at and be like, all right, I can't do this again. It's something that we have to train for. You have to get stronger in those positions, but there are also ways to avoid this. So yes, there are ways to, to train landings. Um, you know, the, I, I've talked extensively about that in the past, whether it's, um, you know, dropping, literally just dropping down from a box and landing softly. Um, it's, it has to be kind of targeted for each individual. Like let's say an individual athlete will land um, on their heels, just like I was saying with, with their growth then I'll cue an athlete to land from a bench and be like, all right, pretend like the, the ground is glass and don't break it. So now they're landing as soft as they can. Instinctively, when they're landing as soft as they can, they're going to be not landing with their heels because that's just everything. <laughs> Every time you land with your heels, you're going to break that glass essentially. So that has to be pretty targeted. Um, but apart from that, it's understanding what you can do to mitigate this problem, this imperfection um, in the first place, which is, you know, understand that one, like I, I tell players this all the time, if you're in a, a, a bad position when you're landing, just fall down. You know, that's, 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 I would much rather you miss out on four seconds of defense than have to deal with an acute or chronic injury problem. Um, another thing is just becoming more aware. So like, um, a lot of players, what you'll see is they're, I, I mean, on a finish, you have to finish with your eyes on the rim. So you can't scout where you're going to be landing, whether it's on another player's foot, whether um, you don't really know where you are in space coming down. So if we get really good at finishing, we finish that layup, we know it's going in, so we're able to kind of look down, scout. So there are a ton of different ways we can target this, and it really comes down to an individual basis. But with that being said, um, I think being conscious of your landings is a good thing. And one guy that, I mean, if, if I had to say one that I, I've really been impressed with over the course of his career, would probably be Russell Westbrook, just because the dude's 
just as, if not more athletic than a guy like Derrick Rose um, or like Tracy McGrady, all these guys who have dealt with injuries because of their somewhat poor biomechanics. Other issues may, may have caused that as well or, or contributed to it as well. But a guy like Russell Westbrook has really only had very minor major injuries. And I think the one knee issue he had was a contact injury that one with Patrick Beverly. So yep. um, apart from that, like the dude's been pretty healthy throughout his career, especially for he's considering the fact that he's jumping 40 inches in the air and coming down from it very aggressively a ton of times a game. So um, if you look at his, his biomechanics, the way he's able to one, fall, two, sit back into his hips and land soft. Um, and then I think another thing that's is kind of forgotten is where I'll kind of close this, this remark out is um, the best way to not get injured when you're coming down from a fall is to just not jump as high. So if, if you don't have to go up and, you know, either dunk it or smack the backboard or whatever your level of athleticism is, if you don't have to go up that high in the air, then don't. And guys get better at this as their career go on, careers go on, um, which is why I think guys like John Morant will be fine, Zion will be fine, is because you look at guys like Russell Westbrook and, and Chris Paul. Chris Paul was dunking on dudes earlier in his career, like, it may be hard to believe for if you're younger and watching this, but dunked on Dwight Howard. He was somewhat athletic. So that dude now barely leaves his feet. He's had his hamstring issues. Um, I believe he's had his a few knee issues as well. Um, but, you know, guys like that, once they get older, it's not as much because they can't do it anymore. It's because they're smart and they realize that this is probably the best way to prevent injuries, not put yourself in these out of control situations where you're 40 inches up in the air. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see guys like Ja and, and Zion and um, the younger, more athletic generation understand this and start to play at a more controlled pace. And it's kind of a natural evolution for, for every Hooper really um, who is that athletic, but it'll be fun to see. No, definitely. It's funny because Zion and Ja are guys that are always, uh, the traditional media is always saying, oh, we got to watch out for Zion's gait or we have to watch out, a Jot ja, ja took a nasty fall, or you mm -hmm. see the way, because ja, ja, the way explosiveness of Ja is just like, some of those dunks he has, like they're, they're always in like those NBA commercials for the playoffs. He's like yeah, taking yeah, off yeah. of two feet with like the entire teams around him. And somehow like you would think like in any rational person's mind, that's a layup and he's, and he's dunking. He's like, he's dunking, he's dunking. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just want to kind of what you do to think, because a lot of people say that their, uh, their biomechanics are kind of off and like whether with Zion's gate or, or the same thing with Ja and how he lands. Uh, what kind of makes you think that those guys have kind of figured it out and how kind of biomechanics has become so relevant now? And it's something, it's, it's a buzzword that everyone's talking about, everyone's focusing on and kind of how that change has happened and why you're so hopeful for athletes in the future to, to get yeah. it. Yeah, so addressing the, the, the Ja and Zion stuff, um, it's hard for me to say anything. And I think it, it should be a little bit more difficult than a lot of people have been attempting to, to expand on their biomechanics. Um, just because we haven't truly investigated how they move and how they load their body. So it's, it's like people always want to look at, you know, uh, Zion Williamson walking down the tunnel and just automatically predict that he's going to have an ACL injury because of the way he walked. Um, yes, there are some potential quote unquote red flags there, but who knows? Like maybe he's, he's training for this. Maybe he will, um, play more in control and, and mitigate these things. Who knows? 
maybe that's just the way he walks and a lot of the conclusions that we're taking from it are not actually acceptable conclusions because he's moving a little bit better than we think. We just don't know. We honestly don't know. So um, I never like to, to predict if anyone, you know, will get injured purely off of just watching a TV screen. Um, and, and even so, I, I think, you know, especially like you were saying, with biomechanics being so relevant now and injury reduction and, and this type of field is really becoming more relevant. So the, I, at least hopefully these guys have good people around them who are helping them compensate for for the the movement deficiencies that they have developed so far so um hopefully they'll, they'll do just fine i think if they make it through the first five six years of their career somewhat injury free i think they'll be fine because that's when they'll start really understanding that they don't have to go 100 percent dunk every time um but you know hopefully that'll, that'll kind of um I mean, I, I like both their games, so I, I'm really looking forward to watching them. Um, on the other end, like you were saying, biomechanics are becoming very, very relevant these days. And I, I think it's just because so many people have, have seen guys like, whether it's Penny Hardaway to Tracy McGrady to Derrick Rose to Greg Oden to all these guys who have entered the league, extremely athletic or extremely talented with a ton of potential and have kind of fizzled out because of injuries. And now with more modern research, with social media, it's allowed to kind of take off in a sense. And um, it's, it's exciting for sure because the, a lot of the research that had been done for years, you know, I'll look at stuff from 1980s and even before that, it's pretty relevant to biomechanics and how we're, we're training athletes to reduce injuries today in, in a basketball specific sense. So, or sense. So it's, it's definitely fun to see how it's it's kind of all coming together, but I think there's a lot of work to be done, um, just in the sense of, of building awareness with it um, and getting it to players while they're still young. Because any pro player can go to a, a professional and pay them a lot of money to at least help the way they're, they're moving. But at the high school level, and even down in middle school these days, man, like with players, that's a whole different conversation with how much players are playing, but um, players will de develop movement deficiencies when they're that young. So if they wait till, you know, they're late in college or in the NBA to fix that, then it could already be kind of a recipe for disaster. So um, the next step I think is, is kind of seeing this at lower levels of basketball. And I mean, hopefully that'll, that'll happen. That's one of my goals is to kind of, build the awareness and then also get people interested and, and see how, how cool this shit is and just understand like this can change a lot of players, not only games, but lives. Like if this, this can help a player change from one who gets injured consistently, you know, you'll see some guys, they start out with an ankle issue and then that goes up the chain to the knee or the hip and a back issue. And then they just, after college, they're done because their body just hates them now where, these guys can go play pro now. These guys can make it to the NBA now. That could change lives, not just players. The whole kind of world of biomechanics is so interesting, and it's 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 so new. I mean, I wish it wasn't new, and that people were talking yeah. about this stuff 20, 30 years ago. So um, definitely, there's a whole library on your YouTube channel full of videos, and and obviously, all the stuff you just said was off the top of your head. There's way more tips on how to 
properly utilize biomechanics uh, to the fullest extent. So that, that was, that was absolutely great. And I, I'm going to make sure all my, all my freshmen listen to this because <laughs> uh, some of the, I, some of them, they, they were like, John, like, why what are you talking about Valgus and all this stuff? I'm like, no, no, it's, it's serious. It's important. Yeah. You really have to take this stuff seriously because it, it really will completely change uh, your career, uh, whether um, you listen to it or whether or not you don't. So that, that was great on biomechanics. Uh, just to wrap, to wrap things up, I kind of want to ask you about some things in the bubble. So both yeah. your wizards and heat are in the bubble. Uh, your wizards aren't doing too great, but the heat looked dangerous. Yeah. So um the heat I, i've definitely kind of picked up a liking for them you know the past couple of years um wizards i've been on and off it's a funny story because when i first started watching basketball and really getting into to pro basketball at least uh it was like gilbert arenas antoine james and karan butler like it was that team so i was i was definitely a fan then but that was when i was pretty young and after that they kind of tailed off and they were awful for a few seasons so at that point, I became more of like a, a player guy. So I like Chris Paul for a while as my favorite player. Then KD because he's from the D.C. area. Um, and then, like I, I mentioned earlier in the show, like Steph was probably the biggest influence. So those three guys really kind of dominated my my watching career uh, early earlier in my life. But now I just watch pretty without any judgments at all because I'm just tired of having to deal with a team like the Wizards, but I definitely keep keep tabs on them. And like you said, like I think they have a, a bright future, especially when John Wall comes back. Um, one of my favorite players for sure, Brad Beal, obviously. Um, so a lot of these guys are really setting up for the future, um, and it's going to be fun to watch them. The Heat, on the other hand, like I mentioned, I've, 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 I don't want to say I like them to come out of the East, but I think I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they come out of the East if everyone stays healthy. Um, it's because they they have such a well-rounded team. They have, a, you know, from Jimmy Butler to really their whole team is just a lot of very solid basketball players who play well as a team and play defense. So if you match them up against pretty much any team in the East, including the Bucks, who if they find somehow find a, a way to take Giannis out and force other guys to score, I think that would be huge. Um, and I think that, that would give them a chance to come out of the East. Um, but, I mean, that's that's probably what stood out to me the most about them is just how well they've been playing as a team, regardless of what you want to say about Jimmy Butler um, and, and how he's been at his other stops. You know, people play, teammates haven't liked him the most, but it seems like he's really found his home in, in Miami and it's been fun to watch as, as a team. Um, and then... I mean, there's so many storylines right now in the, in the bubble. It's It's been really cool just to kind of have everything back and see new guys going off. Um, the eight seed battle in the, in the West is going to be fun. So it'll be interesting, man. It's funny what you said about the Wizards to start off with that. I can't tell you how much I relate to that as a Knicks fan. Just like, yeah. you know what? You really want to love them, but they just give you so many reasons not. Like, like what you yeah. said was just spot on on that one. And then when you mentioned KD, I, I kind of just realized, I haven't thought about this in a while. He, he uh, had Washington's hopes up like two free agencies in a row, both in 2016 and just recently. And yeah, sorry, he, he really didn't follow through on that. That would have been great yeah. for you guys. Um, yeah, and then for the Heat, I, I feel like Tyler Hero is just a pure hooper, just kind of yeah. everything that uh, by any means is about. And then bam, just his initials, B-A-M. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah, just, yeah. I mean, that's something you must have jumped on me right away. Like there's a, there's a great player <laughs> in Miami. Uh, his name is directly the, the initials of your company. Yeah, that's that must awesome. be pretty fun. 
<laughs> so for everyone back at home, we're, we're recording this on uh, Saturday, August 8th. Uh, the moment uh, before, right before we started recording this, uh, Donovan Mitchell forced uh, two overtimes for the Jazz uh, in a great game against the Nuggets. Uh, I just wanted to ask you kind of what do you think about Donovan Mitchell as a player? His biomechanics are, are pretty phenomenal. And just the game you, you just witnessed. Yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's a crazy athlete. I actually have one of the kids I train, he's, you know, they always, they always love to talk about like, oh, these NBA players aren't that tall. And he said he, he met Donovan Mitchell somewhere, like an AU tournament or he went to a game. I can't even remember, but he said um, Don, the dude was like 6'2 max, which is like, which is crazy considering what he's doing. Um, he looks taller in a sense, um, just because he's, he's so athletic and he's able to be up there, but at the same time, like I, I don't think anyone's had those same conversations where they're, you know, bashing him for his landings or whatever. Um, shows how smart of a player he is at, at a young age. So he's one of my favorite players to watch for sure, just not only because of his athleticism, of course, but just extremely skilled, very well developed, and from a from a psychological standpoint as well. Um, and now that game was it was very, I, I guess, yeah, it was the first double overtime game in the bubble. So witnessed a little bit of history there. Um, and it was, it was a fun game to watch. Jokic too is just insane. Like I've never seen anyone play like him. What, what do you think about, actually, that's a great point that you just brought up, his transformation, just losing all that weight, how his, how his uh, body mechanics kind of uh, react to that. Uh, like, is that a good thing? Is that, cause some people were, were nervous. Some people were saying, oh, he's gonna be a whole different player. And he looks at half a step faster at least. Um, and, he, and he's he's looking uh, like a, like a much better version of himself. I just wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, a lot of players will see that and try to lose a, a ton of weight in like two months, which is probably not a good thing. Yeah. But considering that he's a pro athlete and has a ton of resources and is also probably very dedicated, um, probably did it the right way. And if he's feeling good, move and it looks like he's moving well, then that's that's probably a good thing. I mean. The reason I, I, I kind of started off with saying that is because a lot of young players will see, like, um, I believe John Morant said, like, he gained 20 pounds of muscle in, in quarantine or something. And then um, on the other end of that spectrum, you got guys like Yoga who lose a bunch of weight. And that's not something you want to do fast. Like, I would say one pound either, either way each week is probably the, the smarter way to go, just because you have to let your body adjust to that new weight or – on the other end, to losing that weight. Um, and if obviously if you try to lose a bunch of weight at once, like a lot of that weight is going to be from muscle and not just purely body fat. So um, there are some implications with that. But if, if you are a guy like Jokic who does feel a little bit overweight or, you know, feel like you could be a little bit quicker if you take off a few pounds, then he's, he's proof that, you know, guys will move a little bit better if they have that excess weight off of them. So um, depends who you are as a player for in terms of what those implications are to you, but um, could be, it's, it's impressive to see how he's moving and playing now. No, definitely the, the rip through drive you had at the end of the game kind of to, to force the, was it yeah. the first overtime? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, I, I don't know if he's doing that a few months ago, but at the same time you have to kind of balance it into thinking of, uh, body transformations are great. Taking your game to another level are great, but you want to be smart about it and you want to do your research and you want to make sure that you're doing that, that even though your intentions might be in the right place, that's kind of what's most interesting is that some people can have the right intentions and just by not, not knowing what they're doing 
or by just rushing into things could actually have an adverse effect on, on what they, the outcome they want, which uh, is something that definitely um, people need to make sure they go out and do their homework and, do, and taking the right steps uh, to get the best results possible. Yeah, 100%. Great point. So, Coleman, thanks you so much for coming on. Uh, it was an gr absolute great talk. I think the listeners all learned so much from this conversation. And I uh, can't wait to keep in touch and uh, all this great stuff you're doing at By Any Means. Uh, everyone should definitely, um, at, at By Any Means on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, everything. Uh, a lot of great content on there for everyone to just kind of soak in and, and uh, expand their game. Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate you for having me. Great talking, biomechanics, basketball, bubble, all that stuff. So, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Big Fellas Podcast. Check us out on all major social media platforms at Big Fellas Pod to join the chop up. You can also listen to us on every podcast platform on the planet. Stay tuned for the next episode, Big Fellas.